Public Enemy's Minister of Information, Professor Griff, celebrates the 30-year anniversary of the best hip-hop album ever. Thursday, June 28, 2018, at the Jam Handy. Witness a special behind-the-music unsung tribute to Public Enemy's It Takes a Nation of Millions to Hold Us Back album. Hip-hop performances from Mahogany Jones, Kari Way Frazier, and more will honor the landmark album. All right, we are back in the Detroit is Different studios, and it is another live session here. Um, very special, very special. Uh, Detroit is different as I got family synergy in full effect. As Speak Rock has brought the cavalry here with them, the, uh, the twin daughters in effect, and then the little one. And the oldest is saying that the little ones need to listen more. And I'm sure we'll get into that as we get into forms of leadership and all types of things. Uh, Speak Rock is with me every Monday with Bullock uh, on 9:10 a.m. Uh, my friend David Alexander Bullock hosts the People Show on 9:10 a.m. And uh, God knows what frame of reference he's talking about. Uh, some form of um, calling out what people should do, where people should go, and how things should happen, and giving his opinion in the most colorful way to engage callers and listeners throughout the metro Detroit area. And during Mondays, it was a segment that started in black business. I told him, I was like, yo, man, I just want to come on every Monday. And now Rock is on there too. So you have three brothers giving a perspective on different things. And today, Instead of the three brothers, he brought the three sisters in effect. Uh, they're not going to be talking all day, but uh, coming hailed his family in effect. Trinity, Regan, and Sydney also with Speak Rock. How you feeling? What up, brother? How you doing, man? Man, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Hey, I'm doing excellent, man. First of all, thank you for, thank you for having me on your platform. It's an honor, man, um, to hear that something's called Detroit is different. Um, and you know, for me to be on it and bless this platform and be blessed by it, I, I feel so good, man. Oh, man, well, it's definitely cool, man. Um, I know you shouted it out, you're a person that's in this media world. What's so funny is, uh, one of my homegirls for a while was like, Man, I was trying to figure out more what you're doing, and then she went to like this conference and uh, saw this video of a guy talking about a little bit of what I do. As a marketer and i'm like damn i maybe need to deliver the message a whole lot more as uh we're talking right now and you have the video feeds going i have my video right. feeds going it's cell phone live streaming you got video camera going i have my one two three i have my five cameras you have your camera and then we also have a photographer in the mix um people are like what is going on in the world of media yeah. in the world of media is basically uh, ain't no basically it's making content so to see somebody else that's out here making content doing something crafting a message building it on their own in their own perspective through their own platform that's powerful absolutely man absolutely and um you know it's one of those things like to me everything is a learning tool and it's a learning lesson and you know i thank my daughters for being with me you know i asked them i said hey look dad needs some support you know you know i didn't even say speak rock needs support dad needs some social support and uh they blessed me and they, they came on out and they doing their thing yeah man so that's cool that's cool as they're they're in effect getting the work in and let's talk a little bit about the work um 
Marketing to me and what it means and messaging and content is one thing. To you, what is all of this? What What's uh, media mean to you? Why are you so interested in it? Well, here's the thing, man. Um, with the Speak Rock platform, you know, social media has taken such a, a made a footprint in America, in the psyche of America. You know, what you see and what you hear is what you're going to be interested in. I mean, bottom line is, you know, uh, businesses have been doing this for so long. And, you know, if you want to control the narrative, control the media. And you can utilize the media and utilize uh, social um, tools to your advantage. Look, it's, it's only it only makes sense that Speak Rock can use something like this. So that's why it's important to me. Okay, so what was your first uh, launch into this world uh, where you went from a person using a cell phone to create all content to a person buying some equipment, uh, buying a program, uh, spending some money on somebody to craft it for you? What What was your first launch and leap into this world? Absolutely, man. Look, bottom line is if you to the mass to the mass public, you got to have something else other than just beating the feet on the pavement. Okay, so what what was your first venture into? All right, my first venture. Um, I mean, you gotta. I mean, first you gotta talk about the the smartphone, man. Okay, so your your phone, and um, what did you do on the phone? Like, what was like the the first thing where you did that's like not just making content for fun, right? And, and being a consumer of it, but you saw it, seeing it as a passion and a business. Well, the thing is, is that when I realized all that you can do with a cell phone and a smartphone at that, and then I realized like, hey, look, I can make videos, I can make, uh, you know, still pictures with animation, I can make GIFs or whatever the case may be, and it's attracting to the eye, it's attracting to people. So, you know, on top of someone hearing my voice, on top of someone hearing my message, I saw how impactful it was that. I can craft uh, various media um, uh, 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 resources together and push it out there. So, I, you know, look, like you said it just right, spending money, you know, uh, uh, you know, outsourcing to individuals who have more expertise than me. Because I look at myself, I'm still a rookie in it. You know, but I'm learning every day. And every so what, day, yeah. what's the first project? Like, what was the first project you did? Speak Rock. Okay. All right. And uh, when did it come together? Uh, who were the other entities involved in it? Like, how did it come about? All right. Here's the deal. Um, truth be told, I was working my job and I got a vision about Speak Rock. And okay. What job? I was in the military, man. Okay. Military. What What wing? What What, what hole did ah, you get done? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Man, I did 20, 22 years. Wow. Um, I was in the Marine Corps, wow. the Army, the Army Reserve. And the Army National Guard. You were like the, uh, you you did like, uh, you checked every box in the mix of the, <laughs> of the military world. <laughs> well, you know what? It, when opportunities come your way, and I tell people this all the time, man, life happens. Life happens, man. And when life happens, you need to be able to, uh, you need to be able to move with life and not let life take you over. When did you, uh, this kind of goes back into like, now I'm kind of coming around the mountain of this story. Uh, what was your your first, uh, your enlisting? When did you enlist? Oh man, telling on myself, uh, back in 1990. Oh, okay. Yeah. So in 90, that was like right around the time Desert Storm was like 
Absolutely. Kick into gear. Absolutely. Did you, uh, did you have anything over there? What was happening? What were you hearing? That, that, that's, 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 that's a good, good question. question. I, I am one of the, the I am an anomaly in, in the world of the military. I am that uh, soldier that has been in arguably some of the most deployable units in the military. And I have not stepped one foot in the Iraq, the Afghanistan, the Kuwaits of the world. Wow. Yeah. So where were you doing your uh, tours of duty? Amazing. Um, first started off in uh, California, mm. uh, went to Hawaii. Okay. Um, from Hawaii, went to Okinawa. I mean, it's a long laundry list. Um, I got things such as um, Virginia, um, you know, uh, North Carolina. You, yeah, been over, man. Okay, so so let's let's get into the mindset of that because I generally start the story of like what's your family's connection to the city of Detroit. Okay, so we can kind of I guess go there and then we go yeah, let's back go there, to man. like the media. Let's so go there. What's your family's connection to Detroit? Well, bottom line is I'm, I'm born and raised um, in the city of Detroit. Uh, the thing is, my first generation, second generation. Uh, so like, is your family? I would say third generation. Okay, so your family was already here. So your no, father, no, no, no. Let, let's let's okay. let's push it back. My grandfather, he came up from Mississippi through that migration. You okay, know what? Uh, what town in Mississippi? Uh, Jackson. Okay, so he's from Jackson, Mississippi. Yeah, ain't that something? Have you yeah. ever been down there? And you got family there? Once, once. Okay. I've been down there. It, it was hard as all get up. I'm I knew, yeah, for sure, man. I knew, like, when I went down there, I was about a youngin. I was about eight, something like that. And I knew, yeah, it, it was a per it was a reason why I was born in the city. Okay. Yeah. All right. Whereabouts uh, in the city did you grow up in? What's, what part of the town? Eastside, Detroit, Van Dyke and Mac. Van Dyke and Mac. Yep. So that means that uh, your neighborhood, because I like kind of know most uh, neighborhoods by like. Um, by like the high school over there but yes. you kind of had the option of like finney or southeastern if you wanted to in uh in the whole world of um of going to high school well actually or close but not really go to kettering yeah close i was gonna say close not really uh okay. kettering if i lived on the other side of matt uh-huh kettering i would have been zoned for kettering okay but i was on the other side of matt and i was zoned for king Okay, so yeah. King, KC, and yep. one of the neighborhood people that went to King. Is that the uh, high school you went to? Yep. Okay, what was uh, what was King like in that whole era as uh, King is like one of those schools that at one time it, it had special programming in MSAT, math, yeah. science, and applied technology, yep. and then CISC, which was like more of like a business school. But yep. then it also had like a regular neighborhood school in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah which, which was, was still college preparatory. Yeah, but that all that changed. I got there right before that started. Well, well, right in the embryo stages of that starting. Okay. So when I got there in middle school, I went to Bustle. So you would test in Bustle to see where you would be placed if you if you was eligible for the MSAT program or CISC, right? Yep. And if not, you was in the regular Ed Fars College Prep. Okay. So. You know, but when I got there, I tell people this all the time because especially the young people, they don't think that King, you know, was off the chain back in the day. But it was. I think I think King uh, is that's where I, I ended up at Northwestern. Mm -hmm. I start I couldn't last in them side. I was hanging around all the dudes yeah, yeah. from King from the King homes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, it was like uh, yeah, <laughs> was, because like the neighborhood guys are like the Riverside crew and. 
it's like uh you know it's like a true like it's still a a, a, a school inside a east side community that yeah. has like those ties but be, it being so close to like some of the oldest black families over there yeah especially in your in your era yeah i'm pretty sure like you were in school with people that like your family knew they family knew they family knew they absolutely. Family. absolutely absolutely well, well here's the here's, here's the, the funny, funny thing, thing about king, king man is that king you remember that movie lean on me yeah i'm, I'm telling you king was <laughs> off the chain <laughs> like that <laughs> You're killing your brain. And what? <laughs> you smoke crack, don't you? Lorenzo Wright was there around that time. <laughs> For well, sure. like a little bit before, probably before you. But yes, yeah. yes. So, real talk. What what happened was they did a major cleanup. Because if you remember, on that part of Detroit, they started developing those Riverside properties. Okay, and they start restructuring all of Lafayette. Even though the King Homes and everything was over there, but look. Economics played a huge part. So you can't have King off the chain. Yeah. You know, just students running wild. So they cleaned it up. It went from everything from one fight, you was expelled. For good. So this all happened while you were in school. Yes. So like in ninth grade, it was like, wow. Ninth, like, wow. It was off the chain. And, and then by the time grade, you got to 12th grade, it was like, wow, this is a whole different. It was a whole different thing in 10th grade. Mm. So 10th, 11th, 12th, hey, look, it was the place to come learn. Real talk. And, and, I was just, you know, I was a benefactor. You know, I benefited from that, you know, because if it was the other way around, yeah, I'm just saying, yeah. So I've been caught up. Okay, so uh, this this whole neighborhood and in that essence is, I think that um, the East Side, like all of Detroit, has some different like stories and a culture to it. But it's definitely like a a, a swagger to that part of the East Side and the the neighborhood bars the 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 cabarets the yeah. it's like a feel and like the west side has a feel too but it's just like a different feel what was that like how did your family interact uh, what was uh what was happening in your household like what were, what were the relationships like there man well you, i'm gonna I'm tell you like this though because you remember i'm a product i'm a child of the 70s you know born in the 70s you know raised in the 80s perfected in the 90s and it it, it was it was love though i tell people this all the time the east side that I came up on in Detroit, I mean, I remember people cutting grass, you know, area beautification. You remember when people used to paint the little white stripes around the trees, paint the bricks white and stuff like that, and you knew every neighbor and every neighbor knew you? Yeah. We was close-knit, man. Yeah. But as time grew on and as the crack epidemic hit, you, you just saw stuff slowly dwindling down. Mm -hmm. and, and becoming more corrupt. Now, don't don't. I'm not gonna play it like the '70s and the '80s didn't have its its moments. Because when you start talking about Earl Flynn and things of that nature, I remember coming up. You cross the other side of Mac, start heading towards Kettering. It was a whole different world. Like that, I wouldn't consider those like gangs, but they were like neighborhood. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think gangs a lot of what people consider gangs, it's like neighborhood affiliations. And yeah. Like, and it's hard, too. Um, as Northwestern is definitely like a, a school they label as like a gang riddle neighborhood. But it's just like you, it's like I'm going to see the guys over here from Dexter Carter and, and Philadelphia and Pingree. I'm going to see them. Throughout the summer, like yeah. I'm, I'm gonna play pickup basketball with them. Yeah. So if one of them gets into a fight, 
with some guy from like you know the number streets or across the bridge yeah. or Grand River or whatever, then it's like uh, I guess I, I kind of kind of got to be in this fight too because sure. it's like what I'm a, I'm gonna end up going back close to where I hang around and where I associate and then Absolutely. get beat up every day, like uh, you know what I'm saying? It's like. Fight in school, yeah. A fight every day where I live, where it's no security guards and nobody gonna break it up, you know. And like I always say, a school fight really it's like two punches, yeah. And they gonna, you know what I'm saying? Unless yeah. it's like really <laughs> yeah. wild, yeah. yeah. But for the most part, it's like two, three punches, and you know. No, it's interesting to hear you say that because you knew as a young young guy coming up that you knew your zones, okay? Like I lived over there close to Mac and Bewick. Mac and Bewick still notorious to today. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you don't know, you better find out real quick. Yeah. And I just understood where my safe zones was, and it wasn't over there. Unless yeah. I knew somebody over there. Unless your friends and your associates there you are, go. are in that mix. You yeah. Know? Um, so that's cool. What about uh, your parents? What? Um, where were they from? Were they from that same neighborhood? Um, uh, that's, that's good, man. Um, like, my, my parents, my mom died at an early age. Wow. Um, yeah, she was murdered. Mm. Um, I wasn't even one years old. You know, she was murdered, and, uh, you know, my dad, I didn't live with my dad. You know, um, my dad's from, like, uh, uh, Kentucky, you know, I think Louisville. Okay. And, uh, you know, I didn't live with him at all. I lived with my grandfather coming up. I lived with the Mississippi guy, you know. Okay, so now, it, is that a maternal grandfather? Uh, my maternal grandfather, yeah. Okay, and then uh, and then just uh, the, the circumstances around your mother's uh, murder, was that, uh, was that something that was... Um, crime going awry or did the people even know what what was that i mean what was the story even being told to you as you grew up yeah that's interesting man because um i, I tell you know i'm kind of putting some of my you know my book i'm gonna write a book that's something i'm gonna get into but that's okay we can do a precursor to that um i'm keep it a 100 i don't know my upbringing in those years, man, when you're raised with a different generation, especially like that old school man, that it's like, old school man generation, old even southern, gonna, yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, it's not even dwelling. A lot wasn't even explained to me, so um, I was just kind of raised with you know, let's deal with the now. Yeah, and you know, every day was like a survival mentality for me. Mm. What uh, What did your grandfather do? You know what? He worked for the big three, like all of them. Okay. You know, every, which one? All of them. Like, oh, he, you know, he went around. He yeah, he was kind of like a journeyman, man. Like, I tell everybody on time we laugh about it. But like, we was poor and rich at the same time. <laughs> like, you know, you're like hood rich, however you want to put it. Like, because when he got, you know, when he was working, it was up. It was, you know. And then when he was refrigerated, stayed full. Things got down. And they got down because mm -hmm. you j he just never knew. Now, I'm telling y'all old school he was. He was a welder. This is mm -hmm. when guys was welding by hand mm -hmm. all the time. Before they started getting the machines in there, mm -hmm. doing all the welding. So, that yeah. already sounds like you probably woke up to, like, um, uh, uh, probably, like, your average Saturday, you woke up to a million and one yard work task and stuff. Come on, man. Like you I already know what it is. It sounds like. You already know what it is. Like you were pulling up weeds and. Oh, yeah, I'm man, I was I was straight latchkey. I mean, that was that generation back then, you know. He was a, 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 I tell people all the time, I can't tell you, you know, some people got those stories about, hey, my grandfather said this, and mm -hmm. I learned this from my grandfather, and, you know, he used to always say, 
I can't tell you what my grandfather said. Because he was just head down work and then he get it done. But I can tell you what he did. You know what I mean? Yeah. Getting up early in the morning with the metal lunch pail. The black metal one. With the with the the metal cooler, you know, with thermos. Yeah, man. He he was about that life, you know, country and did what he did, but you know, um it was a um it was a life that I lived that was it was funny because when I was coming up I was different than a lot of other kids, unless they was raised by the because of the generation. Yeah, of, of what was happening and and what was allowable, and even Come on. like I'm pretty sure, like your Come friends, on. it like at that age, like you know, and it was a couple cats in the hood that be like that. So it'd be, you know. Summertime, summer vacation, ten o'clock. It's like, come on, let's ride our bike. And it's like, nope, I got like a long laundry list worth of like I got to do all this housework. Come on, man, housework. Like, Seriously, shoot. man. What about the street lights? I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I got different rules than y'all. So yeah, I mean, but you know what? Hey, God bless them. So so now that just moves me into like after graduation and into the military. Um, what was that culture shock like? from leaving that community on Detroit's east side in, in a home um, of your grandfather's and then being so young and now you go to see so much more, meet so many different people. As I, as a lot of the military people I interact with, I think it's a different type of character because you're interacting and engaging in such a close, personal, intimate space with so many different people with different beliefs, walks of life, understandings, like, what was that like? Well, that's a good question, and here's the deal, and I don't mean to kind of backtrack on you, but the thing is is that I had so many changes in my life growing up, so I did not live with my grandfather all the way up until graduation. See what I mean? So there's a whole nother story between my grandfather passed away when I was in ninth grade. Yeah, see, so there's from ninth grade to graduation and going to the Marine Corps, there's a lot. So basically, even from there, like uh, in that whole story, you were staying with different family members, friends, and and like almost like you yeah, were already sorta. developing. There you uh, go. Uh, uh, a sense of uh, personal responsibility, accountability, and and that I'm on my own. There you go. Right. I mean, and, and you know what? That was pretty much kind of common. It mm -hmm. coming up in Detroit. I'm just gonna be honest with you. A lot of my um my peers. Mm -hmm. You know, when we got of a certain age, you, you know, basically you, grown. You know what's interesting? So well, at you that point, choosing yeah. to go to school was a choice that you chose to make more so than one of those like get to school. Not so, okay. <laughs> now you tell them my business because you're absolutely right. Um, a lot of people don't know this, but in tenth grade, I dropped out for like a semester because mm -hmm. um, I was living with my um, step grandmother, mm -hmm. um, my grandfather's uh, wife. Mm -hmm. And, you know, things happened. You know, we fell out, disagreed, mm -hmm. you know, and I left home. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I wasn't one of the, you know, I, was, I wasn't alone. Yeah. You know, many other, my friends and other neighborhood kids, they did some of the same things. But with me, you know, then I was just really trying to find myself. Mm -hmm. You know, I dropped out and I was like, I'm going to work. I'm going to grind. Man, I worked at McDonald's. I hated it. Mm. It was the worst thing I ever did in my life oh, working at McDonald's. That's that's one fast food place I never I've done Burger King, Taco Bell, uh, Pizza Hut. I've told these stories before. Yeah, I've done a lot of. I never like working anywhere really, but I, I've done I've done the fast food ring. 
Right, so, right. Yeah, it's this. Yeah, I, I was at KFC. KFC was cool though. You oh know, yeah, I, I, I mastered I that one. Chicken, I think the chicken places. I didn't like Taco Bell because it was so many things on the menu, and I, that's kind of why I didn't like Burger King. But Pizza was kind of it was sort of the same thing. So yeah. I could see how KFC could be close yeah. to that. Yeah. You know? Well, my homeboys, everybody was there, so we was chilling. You know, but back to what I was saying, like you know, I dropped out, and you know, I had a, a reality moment. You know, I had to, you know, really had a come come to Jesus moment, mm. and. Once again, you know, growing up on the east side of Detroit, man, it was from the time I was young, mm-hmm. you know, it was all about survival. Mm-hmm. How am I going to survive to see the next day? Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, it's interesting to make a long story short, and I'll reveal a lot of this in my book. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just walked back into school, missed a whole semester. I just went back in there and just went to class like, wow, I'm here. Yeah. They pulled me out of class and was like, what you doing here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, yo, I'm ready to come. But yeah. At that point, like, I mean, that's a different type of motivation. I got a really good friend. Mm-hmm. Um, my friend Mark, like his whole, uh, the whole time through high school, he was pretty much couch surfing because he lost both his parents at a younger age and then lost his grandparents. So his whole tenacity, even though he still play with us and we joke and all of that, like his whole tenacity towards lessons and staying in school was so different than everybody else, mm. you know. Um, and to this day, like seeing the 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 work ethic he puts into what he does in his job, and he's an engineer, it's it's just unique because yeah. it's like wow, you know. I mean, I'm so blessed to have a family, uh, my mother, my my father, grow up in a household and and have these the access to like what I had access to my whole life. And then it's like one of my closest homeboys is like, ain't no time. You know what I'm saying? Like, it it, it was, you know, some days where, you know, be like, yo, man, let me get some money so I can get some Coney Island and then get some, uh, you know, get my bus fare or whatever. And then, you know, you shoot shoot somebody fire that I make in a tunk game or whatever. Right, right. He was, he would like pocket that money for, you know what I'm saying? Figuring out what the next move for where he going to stay at times. That was, it was a different approach. To yeah. everything, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, so with that, everything that you just said, that that survival mentality. Mm-hmm. So it was an easy transition for me when I went to Being the military. In the military. It, it was easy because you got to look at it. When you make that commitment to, I would say college. I don't know if college is the same way. I didn't go to a brick and mortar college just right off the bat, but. You should have that mentality when you go to college. Like, I got to survive. I'm here for a reason. But when you're in the military. Oh, I can straight up tell you. Ain't, that, that ain't what it is. That is not. <laughs> that is not. I think, it, depending upon the age of when you're in college and yeah. what you're in college for. Um, and then where you go. That's yeah. why I strongly suggest for me, uh, Henry Ford, but WC3 or whatever. I'm, I'm a strong proponent of, like, Get in the community college. Fill yourself out, especially if you're younger and you don't know what to do. Right. Because it, it, it's a more intimate setting. Um, you can really see how serious you are. And then in, in a lot of perspectives, the, the hardest trick for me, in high school it was like you sit in class, the teacher's like, it's going to be a test Friday. And then they walk you through all the lessons and you know what the questions on the test will be and, you know, you flirting with the girl and basically joking with my friends all day. In college, it was a a level of independence and personal accountability. Yeah. And then furthermore, it would be like, you know, get this syllabus. Right. Read the syllabus 
test on Monday, and then we'll talk about the test after the test. Right. And it's like, so you're not going to tell me the answers on the test? Like, you know, it took it took probably a, a, a year worth of lessons to learn that, like, oh, this is flipped. I really need to learn how to study. I really need to learn how to read. Right. I really need to learn the method of what this professor puts on a test, how they exam, how to take notes for a lecture. Right. Uh, know how to review things, know how to write a paper. Like, all of this stuff had to happen after the fact. You know, as I was learning, like, okay, this is a whole whole nother game. I, I know for me personally and a lot of my homeboys, yeah. But let, let me put it like, like this, this, though. It was different. Like, when you have a survival mentality, mm-hmm. you'll make that college work for you. And I guess that's what I was alluding to as it pertains to the military because I already knew, what am I going to come back to? If I fail out of this, what am I going to come back to in Detroit? Present themselves. Exactly. Now, you know, I, I did well enough in school where absolutely could have went could have went to a four-year or a two-year mm-hmm. as far as college if the military didn't work out. But it but, provided a different form of, uh, like I always thought, you know, it provides uh, a place to live, provides food, it provides yeah. other amenities that college unless you're an athlete or right. an academic scholar, won't provide. Right, right. You know. Right. But I know, like, for me, and in the era I kind of came up in, for a lot of people, especially in joining the Marine Corps, I can't speak because I never did anybody else's boot camp. I only did Marine Corps boot camp. And I assume so, it's hardcore. Yeah, well, you know. I assume, I assume whatever boot camp is hardcore, but I assume the Marine yeah. boot camp is extremely hardcore. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm going to let you tell it. <laughs> no, well, it, 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 and the thing is, no, what I'm saying, I'm, I'm, I'm going to let you brag on that. Because, you know, it's, put it like this, the, the guys I went through with, like, we wanted it. Mm-hmm. You see what I mean? So, I didn't, I never really went through with too many guys who was like, I ain't got nothing else going on in life. That's why I'm here. So, my experience from other people, now, I'm not saying that people don't join the military because they ain't got nothing going on in life. But every guy I served with when I went through boot camp, we we had that dog in us. Like, this is what I'm going to accomplish. And, you know, because you already knew what the percentages was of people who could, you know, complete. You know, as far as even obtaining being a Marine. So, you know, we had a certain level of pride and I wasn't going to let myself down. Where, you know, was, uh, where did you go through basic training? I mean, where did you go through your training? Um, oh. And where were you stationed first? Oh, in, in Cali, um, in California, um, with the uh, MCRD San Diego. Mm-hmm. So, um, some, some like yeah, San Diego is a big yeah. military. San Diego, San Antonio, it's yep. a couple military towns yep. out there. Uh, Raleigh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Military towns where it's like, oh man. Yeah, you talking about Fort Bragg? Well, not not, well, not in Raleigh, but uh, below Raleigh, Fayetteville. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was stationed at uh, Fort Bragg for a while. Um, the thing is, is that. You know, you know, you did. I did boot camp in um, MCRD San Diego, and from there, I went through my schooling in California. Hmm. And you know, uh, it, it, real quick story, real quick story. Um, so um, I enlisted in '90, mm-hmm. graduated in '91, right? Mm-hmm. So my school counselor, you know, I think I was looking at Central Michigan, you know, uh, you know. Entertaining going to WC3. So you were considering coming back to Detroit the whole time. Even with touching Cali, you didn't think to yourself. No, 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 no. This is before I even went to the Marine Corps. Oh, okay. This is before I even went to the Marine Corps. So, because it it brings me to a story when you ask me, uh, you know, where have I been stationed? Mm -hmm. So 
when I was still in high school, you know, you know how you meet your school counselor as a senior and they're like, oh, what do you want to do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, well, I'm considering, you know, college possibly, but I'm heavily considering going to the Marine Corps. Like at that time, like you said, the news, the buzz was out, you know, the Persian Gulf War. Yeah. It hasn't started yet, but it's getting ready to start up. Yeah, it was, it was. Yeah. George Dub, George Bush, George H.W. George, was yeah. really having issues yeah. with uh, the good brother Saddam Hussein. At yeah. The time. And, and what happened is my counselor looked me dead in the face. She said, give it some time. You're going to be over there in that sand. Mm. And I just looked at it like, and that was the end of our meeting. I was like, wow. Yeah. And I was in some sand, all right. I was in San Diego. <laughs> then I went to Hawaii. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it, it's just funny, you know, that, that you talk like, where was you stationed? Because for me, I tell people all the time, like, my time was, the military is something that you got to really put in perspective. And you got to really understand the reason why you join it. And, uh, you know, but my time wasn't bad at all. Okay. At all. So, so that that whole perspective, what led you back to Michigan? Because now you've traveled some of the world, definitely the country. What led you back to Michigan? Good question. Um, I was still in the military at the time. And, you know, with career progression um, and opportunities, you know, that the military provides, mm -hmm. I was like, I've never served in my own state hmm. being in the military. And to a military person, that's that's priceless. Mm -hmm. Who can say that they do that? Mm -hmm. You know, and um, at that time, I was stationed in North Carolina. Um, I was in at Fort Bragg, active duty Army. I got out of Fort Bragg off of active duty. Then I joined what's called the National Guard. Ever heard of it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Every state in the four territories of America got one. Mm -hmm. So I joined the National Guard in North Carolina. Then the opportunity came up where I could have went anywhere for career progression, but I chose to come home. I said I haven't been home in a while. So at this point, um, at this point, just due to uh, your upbringing and everything, and who's passed on and everything, what 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 was existing here when it came to family, and what was your relationship with like family and uh, your friends and and the people here in Michigan when you did come back? Man, for me, it was it was always love. Like, I'm the kind of guy, like, you know, I always kept my post on what Michigan was doing mm -hmm. while I was, you know, away mm -hmm. and kept my post on what Detroit mainly was doing. I can't even say all of Michigan, but mainly Detroit. And, you know, I was just eager to get back here. And as it pertains to those connections, I believe that's what you're alluding to, mm -hmm. um, with family, look, you know, um, time moved on. You know, one thing, I, I'm a realist. I put, I keep things, you know, honest as I possibly can because it keeps me sane. With saying that, everybody had their life. Mm -hmm. Every, you know, aunts, uncles, cousins, they got a life, you know. And, you know, just some can look at it and say, well, it's, it's fortunate that you, you're probably not close. And I can say that too, but just to be honest about it, you know, it's always love, but you can't. You can't make a situation be something that is not. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I would always have love, have respect, but I understood distance. It's one thing about people. Mm -hmm. I, you can be distant from somebody, somebody living on the east side and somebody living on the west side. I mean, you, they can be down the block. Down the block. Yeah, you may not talk to them for like, I don't know. 
exactly ten minutes out of the year. So ima- imagine what you just said, and that's my life times ten. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So with now, this, now, now, my, I mean, I got still got my best friend. I mean, he, all of us, we just separated for a while. But like my best friend is here. A couple of my best friends. Um, I got family cousins still here, and um, we we connect when we can. And that's where I was going to go into now being a father, mm-hmm. just being that impact as you grew up um, in, in in many respects, raising yourself. Um, now, what role and how do you see family and how do you look at it as uh, your daughters are here um, getting the media on? Yeah. Like, what, what role do you see that and how do you see that play out? And then... Um, with uh, with their mother's family, like what's the what's the dynamics there? All right, um, you know, it's a beautiful thing for me. Um, you know, I take parenting very seriously. I take being a um a, a, a husband very seriously. Uh, mm-hmm. Family is very important to me, and this is perfect for me because you know, bottom line is my family, my immediate family, started in Virginia. You know, I got married in Virginia, you know, mm-hmm. um, all my children were born in Virginia. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's where the roots are. My wife's from Virginia. That's where mm-hmm. her friend family's from. And you twist, you twisted somebody from the South and coming <laughs> to Detroit, Michigan. You, 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 oh boy, oh boy. That's love, baby. That, that, that is, that's a lot of, I'm surprised she, every, I'm assuming like every, uh, Every October, as soon as it hits like thirty degrees, she's like, "Ah!" Oh man, <laughs> I can't. Somebody, a, a, a daughter just just did an okay, a okay <laughs> son, a okey doke. She's like, "Yes." Oh yeah, she when know what it when is. When it hits October tenth, but you know, twenty eight <laughs> degrees, <laughs> and they turn on Facebook and then they see friends in Virginia swimming in pools. Oh yes, yes. <laughs> but you know what though, and they 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 needed this. Because I used to tell them all the time, like, Michigan don't stop. Uh Only now do they have these snow days. Like, I remember all these snow days when I was a kid. Kyrie, do you remember all these snow days? Oh, man. It was one of the worst snowstorms ever, like, in um, in 90. uh, 90, It was such a bad snowstorm. It was something that Mayor Kilpatrick put on his, like, it was like a, a campaigning point. But I had to catch the bus home that day mm. from downtown. It was it was so it was so it, it was coming from I was coming from King. Mm-hmm. So I'm the west sider at King and I had to take the sixteen, the good old Dexter. So yeah. you know, you, you hopped the Larner to the downtown terminal back in yep, the day. Yup. The snow was past my knee. Mm. And I'm sitting at the bus stop and it just kept snowing. It kept snowing. I had to take make up this this test that it was like it was not going to be any good business. So just saying. I had to, but boy, oh boy, yeah. That, and you kept I moving was like, though, right? Why did they not cancel school today? But you know what? In the South, they cancel for everything. <laughs> Say snow and school getting canceled. So my thing is, you know, and not only that. Look, like everywhere I lived in the South, for the most part, I lived in some cities. Mm-hmm. But they're not cities like Detroit. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's not like your northern cities like Chicago, mm-hmm. New York, or whatever mm-hmm. the case may be. So I was like, y'all got, we got to get some other exposure some and other culture. And yes, yes, get, culture. get up here and get around your people and see how people move in a different way up here. Mm-hmm. 
and um they appreciate it they appreciate it um because things don't stop there's a certain grit there's a certain determination about uh, uh midwest and, and and detroit natives i mean there's a certain level of you know we refuse to be stopped so i just i love it i just love it and i love to be around it and 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 to have my family up here it it completes something for me let me let me say it like that if i can just be personal because like i said they knew all the south they knew my wife's family they knew the culture down there but to have my family and have them and show them where i came from because here's the deal it, it was it was surreal in so many ways because there was about a seven year period where i didn't come back to uh detroit to or to michigan detroit. yeah yeah. About a seven year period. Mm-hmm. So all they ever heard was me telling them mm-hmm. what it looked like. Mm-hmm. And I I, I never forget. Mm-hmm. I brought my family up here and we uh I think I don't know, I think we got off at Mount Elliott or whatever, coming off in ninety four and uh, you know, just drove through the city. Mm-hmm. And uh then I got to Van Dyke and Matt mm-hmm. and we're and we're riding. Yeah. And they they then they can finally put it together to say, This is where you from. Mm-hmm. Like, like visualize like so yeah. to them. They probably just thought city skyscraper buildings whatever and neighborhoods. I could tell them what a neighborhood was, but they really didn't know. Cause I'm sorry when like we the lived in the culture. When we yeah, it's when, like when I go down south. It's like I hear crickets that don't sound like the crickets I hear here. It's right. Like, what is that? You know. <laughs> <laughs> So so it's, it's super cricket. It, it was interesting to see like a a house, mm-hmm. a vacant house, mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah, like they don't. We never lived in anything like yeah, that. Not that we lived the, better, and, and I'm not criticizing. Yeah, yeah, and then the make of it, like the 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 feel, the architecture of it. Like yeah. Detroit has like a feel. A lot of the houses, especially like I know in the DMV, like the Virginia, Maryland, just a lot of the places down south that like it's a more modern feel. Like the the nineties yeah. uh, ranch style. Like it's a it's right. a different look. I mean this house itself was this house was built in I wanna say fifteen. Okay. So like the layout of it is a different makeup. You know, walking up and I mean God knows when when I'm their age, I'm not paying attention. But the wood that was cut of the banister, sure. like the make of some of the places in the spaces here in the city of Detroit, it's as they say, like it's like building a pyramid. Like it will never be built because the resources and the money to put into recreating it right, right. will never be put into it because it would never make sense to build a banister like that that I have of true crafted wood from a from a mason, like mason yeah. recrafted wood into a banister, into a cabinet, you know, and then different oaks and different cherries and different, like it's a, it's a different, you know, with a lot of the Germanic and English and French yeah. styles or designs, yeah. like, you know, even the, the, even the, what is it? The, um, the layouts for the, uh, for the molding. Like mm-hmm. the molding around windows and, yeah. and doors. It's a different feel of like everything being like crafted and cut and like non machine make. It's, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like you hit your head on that on on that corner of that molding 
it will uh you're gonna have a long oh yeah you're gonna have a long long oh, yeah. time afterwards you know whereas you hit your head on a lot of new stuff then i mean that stuff may fall down you know what Man, i mean you opening up conversations for whole other things because that kind of cultural appreciation or that architect mm-hmm. appreciation like that's something that has to be passed down and continue mm-hmm. to be taught like everything you just said gotta pass it down to the young people because like you said the dmv it's a different it's a different no but they still field. got that mm-hmm. you you go through a lot every a lot of things are colonial mm-hmm. okay and they saw they saw the value in it once again you talk about a major metropolis city and some of those are just smaller towns mm-hmm. so you know in an economic sense they understood the value of keeping mm-hmm. uh, 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 and the restoration of certain yeah. in certain communities like I know around like Georgetown and then even some of Howard oh, but whew. I know a lot of the the homes that I see in most southern towns are like ranch styled yeah. Um, yeah. modern day yeah. which which I mean it's modern day today but I'm sure 30 years from now people will look at it and say yep I remember it like right. well, my aunt got that like in 88 that was right. the, that was the new look you know yeah yeah <laughs> so um it's a it's a culture to its own. Yeah. Uh, and as we talk about culture to its own, uh, coming back, working back, uh, now with a family to mm-hmm. come back. Uh, what what's what's your feel like? What do you see that you didn't see when you were younger? Because when you're young, it's a lot going on around you that you just don't have a presence of mind to even pay attention to. Right. Um, <clears throat> I saw a need, man, and. I felt like my city need me. Mm-hmm. That's what I saw a need. I'm, 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 I'm gonna say this. I, w- I was riding. I was riding with some people, and uh, some up family that came up. My wife's family, mm-hmm. and I was and like, they, "Yeah, have, this- they, have they ever?" That's the other thing. Have they ever been to Detroit? Before? No, never been here. And they're from Virginia. Yes. Okay. And I'm showing them where I'm from, mm-hmm. and it was like, "Why is a couch outside in the in the lot over there?" Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, well. She was like, well, well shouldn't like you somebody... got to sit somewhere when you play horseshoes. <laughs> <laughs> when you wait no next. a horseshoe game. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. When you wait no next, the ball. Shit. I mean, so my thing was, I was like, That's a good question. And she was like, Can somebody get that up? So that's another good question. Like, yeah, we can. Mm-hmm. And first thing I started thinking about, like, who's going to organize that? You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's going to take somebody or some people to organize an effort to make things right. Because I always saw Detroit as a, as a as a city that helps itself. Mm-hmm. You know, not so much waiting on the government to help. Mm-hmm. Okay? Or to de- to demand. Because for the, my longest time, as well as you know, I came up under, you know, Comey Young. Mm-hmm. You know, that was a demanding mayor. Yeah. A make, make it happen type mayor. So I always saw that as the spirit of Detroit. So mm-hmm. I just remember like cleaning up the block. I remember mm-hmm. that. But then when you come back, I'm not saying that a lot of neighbor. I know neighborhoods are doing it, but not a lot. Mm-hmm. Not the bulk of Detroit. Yeah, I I think it's uh, you've you've touched some different things like in exposure too to see mm-hmm. different systems and see how things are done. Like Hawaii is a place I've never been, but I've done a lot of research on it as uh. As you talk about independence, like it yeah. being a part of America, but a lot of the functionality, as I read more into it, 
it's kind of got to be on its own because it's yeah. I mean, you're almost closer to Japan than you are to heavy uh, Japanese influence and population over there. Very mm. heavy. Uh, it, it, it's it's in Hawaii. It's crazy because a lot of the locals mm-hmm. they do they they live like how we live. Mm-hmm. It's like they've been pushed out mm-hmm. to smaller communities. Mm-hmm. Okay, these are people who ran that island. Mm-hmm. They've been pushed out to smaller communities, and guess what? A lot large military population. Okay, and a large Japanese population, and the most ritziest parts, mm-hmm. Japanese neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's when you see that, I guess all I see. But but here, here's the difference: the culture of the Hawaiian people there. You, you can't mistake it. it. It's even if they might be in certain smaller pockets, it's strong, and mm-hmm. they make it happen. They take care of one another. Mm-hmm. And I see like far far as Detroit goes. When he, when you talk about the neighborhoods, I just think that you know who who are the block leaders, mm-hmm. you know. Who's stirring up and championing causes for the community? And I understand. I understand things are tough. I understand, you know, uh, the the attitudes of people can be difficult to work with. But I I still feel for especially for those who stayed in Detroit, mm-hmm. they they need to be energized in some kind of way. Cause you can get tired doing a good thing, especially mm-hmm. if you're doing it by yourself. Mm-hmm. So when I look when I get back here and I look at my city, I'm like. How can I get involved? Okay. So now we kind of go back to where we started the conversation. All right. So that is the call to action of the messaging that you have for what you're doing. And that's the call to action for what Speak Rock represents and everything else. Yes, sir. Podcasting is something. Video is something that you're doing. So what else? What other projects are you working on? What uh, what things are you doing? Uh, What's going to come next? How can people connect? All right. Well, first, let, let me let me kind of walk everybody through with Speak Rock. Um, mm-hmm. Speak Rock is a communication platform because one of the needs that I saw was is that in, in, um, that African Americans were not communicating with each other. We were going at each other's heads and and tearing each other down. We mm-hmm. were very extreme. I say we were tired. We were exhausted of each other. Now, I know people can say, hey, look, that's not everybody. You're absolutely right. But the mass of us. You look at anything on social media, and a lot of comments are about yeah, I mean, how we act. It's funny. We just had this. Uh, this was the topic of Bullock's show. And, I mean, it's, when? it's Bullock's show. This past, uh, in some ways, like, is very, my perspective as I grow on this, and I, I look to be more cognizant because I'm I can... I can fall a victim to it as well. But okay. I do believe that uh, giving, you know, um, criticizing, knocking, uh, tearing down uh, another black person or doing what can be perceived as that. Sometimes you're given a platform and a stage. Okay. More so than if I'm, you know, edifying and uplifting yeah. a black person. You know, yeah. the, the whole, you know, like if I'm, if I'm Monique... And I go on the Breakfast Club and I talk about Charlemagne. Okay. That's a whole different thing is if I go on, you know, if Monique went on the Breakfast Club, hugged him and said, you know, thank you. I mean, the whole segment Donkey of the Day. Right. Is is the the concept is like it it get gets more perspective than like, you know, Angel of the Day or something. Exactly. Like so it's so being cognizant of that. 
on, on so many levels just due to um just due to a lot of things it's tough because some critiques are needed to be made about the work that a person is doing outside of who the person is so like not attacking a person personally right but uh finding um finding criticisms where you feel the work can be strengthened or misunderstandings about how they approach the work that's a it's a it's a it's like a fine line or something. But I like what you said, though. You said it's tough. But we got to understand that tough be- tough people do a tough work, okay? Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm not to, you know, I'm not gloating, but I feel I have a, a tough exterior versus as well as a tough interior, okay? Um, I've learned not to be thin-skinned, mm-hmm. especially when I come to our people. And when it comes to our people, man, and I speak rock, Look, I'm for everybody, but I'm just going to keep it 100. I'm very pro-black, very pro-African-American because I see us in a time of crisis, all right? We're, we're in a time of need where we need one another. I mean, it, it's problematic, and it's an epidemic that is uh, hitting us hard as it pertains to death. Mm-hmm. We're dying from health care uh, or lack of health care. Yeah. We're dying from police brutality. Mm-hmm. We're dying at the hand of our own people. Yeah. We're just dying, 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 and our numbers are dwindling. And we're getting mm-hmm. too comfortable with that. So something that, once again, I feel God Almighty himself gave it to me. Within 45 minutes, I was given a vision. I was given a mission statement. I was given a logo. Mm-hmm. Okay? I was given this, and it was like, I got to act. And mm-hmm. what I need to do, we got to have communication. We have to talk. One of the most... One of the best things I've ever seen in my life um, is to be able to you be quiet and let somebody else speak. Even if you if you had a judgment about them, if, if you, you know, saw them in a different light, you will see them in another light. If you just be quiet and let them speak. Have you ever ran across that? Be it a child, be it if someone that you might consider to be illiterate. Be it somebody that 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 could be racist, if you just listen, you'll learn a lot about them. I Let mean, them speak. I, that's that's really what Detroit is different is. I mean, even from this sit down, and I've I've interacted with you for now almost like a month and a half. But right, right, from right. this chop up, I have a different perspective of a lot of things just by having the context of your backstory mm-hmm. and empathizing for these different steps. Mm-hmm. I mean, even your your formative years especially and i think our formative years and i I look at formative years as uh infant to 20 right right. that's that's what i look at as formative years Mm -hmm. i think that has such an impact on how we perceive life how we touch life how we you know uh engage in life because there are so many societal and cultural norms that we expect to exist Mm -hmm. so your perspective is already like it, it it adds layers to like all right empathizing with this empathizing with this yes. empathizing with this yes and i can understand the work ethic involved i can Thank understand you. i can understand because like you know it's like i don't really even see you as the kid that can't come out when i'm 10 and we want to ride our bikes to the store mm. it's my homeboy yeah. That grew up with his grandparents yeah. like that. You know what I'm saying? So Absolutely. it's just like I know them type of southern grandparents that was, you know, old school. You know what I'm saying? So it's like 
you grow up in that perspective. And yeah. then that, the, the concept of the, the, the personal accountability, like the, the finding your way, yes. kind of couch surfing through high school, walking away and then coming back. That's a that's a different get down. And now being a father, looking to build your own family, mm-hmm. it's almost like you're extending the olive. You're extending the olive branch of like welcoming family and love to everyone. Well, you got to understand the way you experience. Just the same way you, just the same as me. We 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 owe. Mm-hmm. We owe, man. We got to mm-hmm. give back. And I'm not saying give give back in the clichéish way. I mean give back as in sacrifice. Somebody has to endure. Look, I know what it is to be written off. Mm-hmm. I know what it is to 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 be discarded. Mm-hmm. Trust me, I know better than most. Mm-hmm. But something I always tell myself, I'm not gonna do that to somebody else. So we got. I say this, this all the time, and I make social media posts, or I might go live on my social media platform. And I know some people are like, oh, "Are you doing the most, God?" No, have patience. Have patience with your people. How could you not have patience with your people, but yet you got patience with another race? It is very tough where I struggle with that cross the bear at times. Because I can go Hollywood (laughs) sometimes. It's weird. Like, uh, is uh, Jennifer Crawford that does all things Detroit was like, but I bet you you would like. And I'm like, because sometimes as I perceive life, Mm -hmm. and that's the thing, it's like life keeps coming at you. It's, It's no pause button. Right. And that's where I, I believe in, in parenting, the the most difficult thing. When I think about all the headaches I gave my parents, you know right, what I'm saying? Right. So it's like no pause button. You can't but, you can't tell a kid but, like, but, yo, pause. And that's how life is. So right. if a, cha- a challenge may hit you, then a blessing may hit you. Mm-hmm. Then you're, you're engaging with a person you truly cherish. Then you feel like somebody may disrespect you. But all of that may happen within the same moment. Right. And, and to have the resolve to still... Have the patience, have the the empathy, have the character, have the demeanor where it's like, yo, I'm not about to let this one disrespectful act overshadow right. the love that now, exists. Now, then, let, let, me, let, let me keep it 100 because I don't want to be on, 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 on this feed acting yeah, yeah. like... Yeah. I've always been a saint. Yeah, I know. People oh. gonna be like uh in the comments yeah. section like yeah. Oh man, I asked him for twenty dollars and he was like, Hell <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no, we're di- but but you know what? It's it's called growth, man. Mm-hmm. It's called growth and and, and, and and it's called grace and mercy. God has extended grace and mercy upon me. So in my growth, I've learned to extend grace and mercy the same way it was given to me. And, mm-hmm. and some would say, you know, you reap what you sow. These are universal principles. So, but not only that, my, the love, my love walk. Look, I was, I tell people all the time, I was born into this. Mm-hmm. I was born black. I didn't have an option. Mm-hmm. I was born listening to, you know, the Isley brothers. I was born, mm-hmm. you know, with an Afro pick with the fist. I was mm-hmm. born using blue magic. I was born mm-hmm. on Van Dyke and Mac. I was born eating fried chicken and, and collard greens. I, I was born into I'm born black. Mm-hmm. I don't act black just because Black Panther came out. Mm-hmm. This is who I am. This is my culture. This is my people. Mm-hmm. So how could you not have a love for it? Yeah, we act up. Yeah, we, we get ignorant sometimes. I get that. But these are the same people I survived with. And, and God willing, these are the same people I want to die with. So how did an Esau boy travel the globe? Okay, on a military sense, in a spiritual sense, and then I make it back here. How could God not have a plan for me for me to do what I got to do? So when you talk about speak rock, 
It's a communication platform. It's also a, a social activist platform because I've been blessed. And look, being here with you is a blessing. Meeting up with Bullock is a blessing. Bullock's I got a story. I got a whole story about Bullock, that. Bullock's crazy as all. Yeah, that's know, my hobby. That's can I tell you something? When I saw a dude for the first time, I was like, "There goes somebody that's like me, but he doing it better than me." And that's why that's why I laugh so much because it's a it's a it's a uh, you know, and steel sharp as steel. You know, yeah. I challenge him all the time, and he'll challenge me, and we, you know, we. It's it's such a, uh, uh, I mean that's my brother in arms. Yeah. I mean, and he does a lot of things completely different than how I would approach it. But um, you know, and I get so many calls sometimes. It's like he crazy, and it's like yeah, he is crazy. But I'm like, mm-hmm. it calls for the you you have to have the propensity of crazy to take on the challenges of the things that he's doing because the linear like we're not dealing with linear saying. Uh, perspectives right. like as you have that that the trauma that we're dealing with in our community right when you take like 10 seconds to just whatever it is like some of the the you know like um excuse my french but the the shit that your story it's a tragedy that that's such a common story yeah and most the the discernment and making the decisions from it most uh, most of my homeboys, they, you know, had similar stories, do not, you know, have the perspective. And right. that's even if they have the, the, that's even if they have, like, what we label as a good position in life. Like, they right. end up with Chrysler or Ford or whatever. You know what right. I'm saying? Like, right. it's like. So much of it is, is is like your mentality, your resolve, your 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 character. Like, character plays a heck of a role. But when you've been traumatized, strengthening your character is tough. And then you're 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 reflecting. You know, as I always tell people, it's like sit in a preschool one day. Yeah. In the ghetto, and that'll show you a lot because those children are reflections. Yes. Of what they see at home, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And then you know. Give one of them a toy and then see how they respond to share that toy. Yeah. It's a whole lot. Like, I yeah. mean, I'm sure, you know, if, if we as adults got in that same preschool environment, you gave one of us $10,000, it'd right. be the same, you know, same back right. and forth. Yeah. But it, it it's very telling because just how we cope with it, you know, um, what we feel, you know, uh, uh, how we place blame. Um, how we how we t- accept responsibility, um, how we rationalize some of the backwardsness that goes on. Uh, you know, those those kindergartens, those preschools are great places where like I, I don't even think you need to be a sociologist or whatever. But, right. you know, uh, outside of creeping, like if you just go and say, look, I want to donate some chocolate milk or whatever. Right, right. But if you could just sit and look and witness, it'll show a whole lot about of a community. Because now, now here's like, the deal. It, it, when you see that, how, how do people change? How do people transform? As you very, said, you got to have somebody who has empathy. Yeah. Somebody has to be able to be there mm-hmm. to always say this. Now, staying on the analogies of the children, you know, you, you, you can love a child to death. Yeah. And what I mean by that is you care for them, you're putting clothes on their back, you feed them, and that's about it. And you let, but, but you never really... You're not teaching them the values of how to survive in life. And when I say that, that that's kind of large scale, what mm-hmm. I'm saying. But what I mean is 
How do how do how do you become resilient? Okay? Mm-hmm. How about mastering resilience? That that is lost in a lot of ways in the African American community. You know, we just suffer things and we just carry hurt mm-hmm. and we use hurt and pain as our motivation yes. to push through. And almost like and sometimes we can uh champion as Bullock made reference to that. The pain. Like yeah. this person been through, you know. So and now there, so let's applaud that, and, and as opposed to processing the the pain that you went through yes. was me projecting like I had my pain. You know, hurt people hurt people. Right. I'm hurt, so I'm gonna hurt you. Right. You know, they bullied me, so now I'm gonna bully you. Right. They talk about me, and we'll talk about you. Like, and that that same trajectory carries over, and almost you know, uh, you know how some people say in relationships, like. You know, until I have an argument, I don't even know if we really in love. You know, we got to fight. <laughs> and it's like, wow, this is, this is, but these are, these are theories <laughs> that people have exercised in life. Like it, from a traumatic state, like we, I have to be traumatized and then see how you respond to trauma before I can be comfortable interacting with you. Now, now let me, let me, let me share this with you in, in my life. Like I say, I'm I'm very much a realist. So I had a lot of traumatic situations that occurred. Not different than most, but this is my story. I had to learn quickly to get past it, Mm -hmm. not to carry it with me. Mm -hmm. See, this is something that I can teach. Mm -hmm. Some will say, well, all you did was ignore it. Yeah. And all you did was bottle it in. Now, I did a lot of that too. I bottled some things. But some things I let go so I can concentrate on the next day and strengthen mm-hmm. myself and persevere and push through. Mm-hmm. I and I would be, say also, yeah. in, in the world of uh, kind of where this discussion started, mm-hmm. in overtime, but this is a good discussion. All right, but, all right. Um, with your, with uh, the murder of your mother and, mm-hmm. and how your grandfather, and I mean, he grew up in a different tenets of life, like from a different era, because God knows what's form of racism and, and, and craziness he was witnessing. But right. how he dealt with it, it, it was the conditioning at a young age of this is how you cope with things. And, and, and then being a father, this I'm gonna, I, I have another question for you about okay. this, because me and my homeboy just had a long talk about this, of, uh, and I don't have any children, but... He was talking about uh, this whole um, Larry Nasser thing at, at MSU because they they're convicting yeah. somebody new and the tragedy of it. And he was like, "Man, you know, if a if a father sets up a relationship with his daughters and is present, then his daughters will let him know." Because he was talking about the guy that jumped on uh, Nasser in the courtroom. Okay. And I was like, I think he didn't know. And that was the first time he saw him. And he was like, but it seems like a daughter would talk. And I'm like, I don't know. Because you never know how a person will respond to something traumatic. And then he was telling me the story about how uh, some boy, and she's like in the second grade. Some boy was like, I want to rape you. You know, to the second grade girl. But we got to realize that he's reflecting this in the world of shock, sensation, and and God knows what worldly things. So now it's like, now you got to do the school meeting with the boy and the boy's parents and all of that. And the teacher, you know what I'm saying? I mean, this happens, you know, and I don't think it's something new. I'm sure this was happening even in the 80s and 70s and 50s and 40s, you know. But... um, being a father and building that relationship because that father-daughter relationship is a very uh, impactful one right. on what exists throughout life. Right. 
you know, as you're really molding and shaping the character of the type of man that they're going to choose to think that they'll make these types of decisions, there'll be this, and the relationship, the bond, like, this relates to what you're saying as far as, like, even in your own household, building that and seeing past the trauma and not just saying, like, all right, well, you know, I dealt with this, so you should be able to deal with that. Like, how do you have the presence of mind as a dad interacting with your daughters and they all have their own personality right. even though two are twins i'm sure just in 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 a short hour i noticed the difference between the twins right 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 so like how do you do that how do you have the presence of mind how do you exercise that where you know you can build where you're there with them yeah. as opposed to reflecting what you think uh who they are and where uh 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 because this is what it is where you think a girl at this age and development should be at Yes. All right. Well, the biggest thing is, is go back to what you're saying is to understand that there is a difference there and the, the person, the personalities are different. And, and I got to acknowledge that they're all special. And guess what? They need special treatment mm -hmm. saying that I can't talk to one like I would talk to the other. Mm hmm. I have to talk to all three of them differently. Even and though I, and, I know that makes them probably be like, but she had to. Um, no, hmm. no. Um, w one of the things I've learned as far as my parenting style is to be honest. Like where things was withheld from me because, you know, bottom line is it a, a child didn't need to know much. You yes. Know, that was, was, that was a raised. form of, that was a yeah. form of parenting. Absolutely. For me, no, you need to know as much as I can tell you. Now, okay, come on, certain things. I don't tell them how I'm paying for dental insurance and this, that, and another. Mm -hmm. But now that my children are a little older, high school age, guess what? I got to share these things because how are you going to prepare your children for, i.e., one or two, a career or entrepreneurship? Mm -hmm. You got to explain these things because the last thing I don't, I, I tell my children this all the time. In the military, the, the, the senior military members will always say like, hey, where were you born at? You know, not not me, but certain mm -hmm. people. Like if they saw it, they didn't know how to make their bed or whatever the case may be. You're like, mommy and daddy did everything for you. So you you weren't, you don't have any skills. Mm -hmm. So I don't want my children to be like that. So the biggest thing I tell my children is, if I passed away today, would y'all know how to function? Mm -hmm. Would you function without me being here today? Mm -hmm. So I every day, and like I think I said this when I first came in, every everything is a teaching moment. It's a teachable moment, everything. Mm -hmm. And the main reason why I brought my children here today is because this is teaching. They need to see what dad is doing. They mm -hmm. need to see my evolution. They mm -hmm. need to see the, the the work ethic. They need to see relationships. They need to see and hear how I met you. They mm -hmm. this Sometimes you're, you're teaching without even teaching them directly. Mm -hmm. Indirectly, they're learning. So I have to give them as much as I can because... You know, as, as much as I believe God is going to have me here till I'm old and gray. You never know. You never know. And what good were you to your family by just loving them to death? Now, I'm not just going to love you to death. I'm going to love you and teach you. Hmm. You see what I mean? Okay. So everything I have, I give to them. My every waking breath is to them. Mm -hmm. Everything. And it's always on the forefront of my mind. Along with Speak Rock. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I wake up with Speak Rock. I sleep with Speak Rock. That's cool. It, 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 this is what I do. So, and, and once again, that's all Speak Rock too. Like the, the fact that I'm a family man. The fact that I'm an everyday guy. Mm -hmm. I'm not an entertainer. Okay? Mm -hmm. I'm not an athlete. Mm -hmm. I'm not a politician. But what am I? I'm a black man that mm -hmm. survived. 
Mm-hmm. I'm a black man that has know-how, that has worldly knowledge, that has spiritual knowledge. I have value. And in a lot of ways, being a married black man with children, I could be an anomaly yeah, in uh, some yeah. ways. Yeah, in some. In, so, yeah, once mar- again. Yeah, our, our it, generation is not the marrying type. Uh, <laughs> as I was telling you about So, once again, it's incumbent upon me to teach, man. I've definitely been to more... Uh, I've definitely been to more baby showers than weddings in my life. Mm. See, where's the teaching? See, somebody has to be strong enough to teach. I'm not going to beat down my people, but somebody should have said something to a son. Mm. Somebody should have said something to a daughter Mm. other than what they were told. There was something else that should have went the caring and the loving there should have been some teaching that went along with that and, and say, you know, it's not being mediocre, being average, even in not. See, oh, Kari, it's not all about just the grind for work. Mm-hmm. What is your character? I agree. Are you a young person of principle? Mm-hmm. And if you got those things, the bag will come. But see, we so working about we so tied up in grinding and being popular, that we are foregoing in our culture because this is one thing, and I'm going to say this, I don't think I'm, hope I'm not getting too off track. No, no, I'm not a scary parent. Mm-hmm. I'm not a scary black man. I don't scare easy. Mm-hmm. I don't shake my boots for nobody. Mm-hmm. Be it my child or anybody else's child. Mm-hmm. Be it another adult or being an elder with respect. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you what needs to be, what needs to be said, mm-hmm. not what you want to hear all the time. Mm-hmm. When I need to sympathize with you, I tell you what you want to hear so we can all feel better. Okay. But until then, when we need to get on, when we need to, when we're dying out here in these streets mm-hmm. daily, mm-hmm. sometimes, l- let me let me put it like this. I'm give you one example, one example. And I'm going to go there because I, I'm not, uh, the, you know, yeah, yeah, people go. in the church don't scare me. Mm-hmm. But I always like to use the church as an example because... I want to let people know, like, people in the church, we just everyday people, too. Yeah. Take, for instance, like, the, the one pastor, he was taking pictures, or he was supposed to be mentoring some young boys, right? Mm-hmm. I believe it was Bishop Eddie Long. Yeah. God bless his soul. He's passed away. But somebody ain't get the bishop ear and be like, Bishop, I see what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. I see what you're doing, Bishop. But, but I this think- ain't a good look. But the thing is, sometimes you won't even be the person in the circle of an Eddie Long unless you will. But the uh, people that was in this circle, though. Yes. No, no. But I'm saying, like, unless you're going to be one of those people to, like, let uh, back to, excuse my friend. I see what unless you're, you're going to let bullshit slide, you generally aren't yeah. around. Like, I see what you're even saying. As, even as people are talking about how bad a Donald Trump is, it's like, right. he can't be that bad because he was in all of these other corporate circles with people that people champion as, like, great leaders and all of these other things. So it's like, hey, you know, it gets to a certain point where you got to let certain character things slide and you have to agree with certain things. Even with, uh, with, with the ethics of, of of uh you know because naturally if if i you know you're gonna you're gonna disassociate from me if my whole demeanor uh is against your behavior your right. actions right how you make decisions because right. we're not gonna rock together right. we <laughs> use so your you term. Said, yeah. like it's we're gonna we're gonna disconnect right. naturally so you so said I he went, picked I went, this circle 
Yeah. He picked his circle based he on who that was they gonna, were for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For yeah, whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he'd be like, you know, and people were saying like, man, I know he, you know, uh, molesting these young boys, but I'm going to tie up this month or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start this. You know, people lie to themselves and people, you know, yeah. people are coping with the... Um, Whatever those uh, the 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 moral decision right. when it's wrong, you know, like some things aren't, you know, it's not one of the principles of Ma'at or or on the Ten Commandments, but yeah. you know it's wrong. What for whatever reason, in 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 that imbalance, you know, I think a lot of drugs may come from this, sex may come from this, right. food may come from this. Uh, it could be your idea of romanticizing religion or whatever, like. To cope with something that you know where you are a party to do something. And yeah. it starts bothering me. Like, sometimes it can be as small as, like, you know, when you say you speak, you speak. Like, you yeah. speak, you help. You know, it'll be something as small as, um, you know, when I be younger, like, uh, this is so, you know, it's so cliche. But, you know, when you see an older woman, uh, you know, carrying a set of bags. If the pro if the idea at times it'd be like, man, that's messed up. She's out here, you know. So I got to that point. Then right. it's like, man, somebody should help her. Then that somebody be like, man, if I try to help her, and she ain't my grandma. Da, 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 right. da. Now I'm to the point where if it pops in my mind, I'm gonna be like, yeah, I'm gonna help. So right. it's a lot of just like what people would say, random acts of kindness that I've done, where it's just not that. It's just like it popped in my mind, so I'm gonna do it because it started bothering me when I wouldn't act on. Whatever it may be. Like, right. it could be as something as small as, like, you know, when people call you and they say, like, you know, this is going on. And, you know, if I could, I could pay you back. And it's like, I assume if you're asking for $200, you need it. And if I have access to it, I'm going to give it to you. You know, you don't need to tell me when you're going to pay it back or whatever. Right. I'm just glad I got access to it now. Here go the two bills. Now. It's other people that sometimes have seen me do that and say, well, you know, why you going to pay that nigga $200 a year? And it's like, whatever. I've right. been in that place where I need a 20 or I need that 200 And I don't want this person to basically swallow their pride and all of this stuff and deal with all of this loop and whatever. It's like, here you go. You know, because it would bother me more. And I, I mean, I don't know if this is maturity. I don't know if this is me developing my character. I don't know what it is. It's, it's certain things that start to happen as I've grown older where I do know when the when righteousness hits you on okay. whatever that level is, where it's like you need to know where things are. As my as my elders and my family are getting older. And like caretaking is becoming more of a role as my right. mom's just recently passed. And I know Man, this so is something that. that she would have done. So like it, it, it's like, you know, do you you want to have respect for what a person says? But what a person says may be to a certain level, but you may need to follow through. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So it's like I have to make this decision at the margin of what I feel is righteous and making that righteous decision. Comes at the cost of like it could be the bag, it could be a lot of stuff, mm. but ain't nothing worse than going to sleep. And I've done it a night, <laughs> year or two. Nothing's worse than going to sleep where you know you saw righteousness and you saw past it. Mm. Nothing's that's a hard that's a hard night's rest because mm. that's that's gonna be Hennessy, that's gonna be something, that's gonna be you trying to overcompensate and you know another way because. It's almost another form of, of of disrespect when a person, I feel like, especially when a person doesn't act that they know 
is uh, invalid and mm. uh, and your response is nothing. Because it's, mm. it's basically the support, you know. Yeah. It's the it's the Nazi troop that walked the 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 yeah. uh, the Hebrews into the gas chamber. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, it, it, you know when when Hitler was like, yeah, man, we about to build this gas chamber to kill all these Jewish people. You know, and you and you the person sitting in there like, well, you know, he is the Fuhrer, and uh, I, I know, right? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and yeah. like it, it it takes a lot to be that person in that room. You know what I'm saying? But it, it, out of everything you just said, what that lets me know is. Is that we're outnumbered. Those who desire to, oh, to do many. righteousness. As many. Okay. We're, we're outnumbered. And, and, and you, But you know what? Numbers don't mean everything. Because just as, you know, as I was sitting with you on the show yesterday. Yeah. you And, and Bullock. He was talking leader. about Judas. So, you, yeah. you, right, right. Yeah. And, and then you you clearly looked him dead in his face like, man, you are a leader. Yeah. See what I'm saying? So, so and, and, and I'm going to say it back to you. You a leader. Okay, and I, I'm throwing I, myself in that pot. I I'm a too. leader, but I, I I would say that in the in the what we build, I'm follow follow my follow the platform. Don't follow me. I'm a man with frailties. I like that. You know that. what I'm saying? I, I like that. I, I, I ain't no telling. I may I like be at, at the Grammy and Strip Club tomorrow or a cabaret. Or I may quit <laughs> altogether. Ain't no telling what I do, but follow my action. But follow matu- my work. But maturity, I've always said this about our great leaders, because a lot of our a lot of our leaders are great leaders, be it past or mm-hmm. present. Um we got flaws. Yeah. We got flaws. Mm-hmm. Ain't ain't nobody's walking this earth without flaws. Yeah. So we gotta be able to now. I'm not gonna put up with your your crap or your BS. Yeah. I'm not gonna see it. Even look, I'm gonna t- like you I, to my analogy earlier. I'm gonna tell you if you're wrong, man. Like, dude, that's not a good look, man. Like, yeah. Under- excuse me. I understand you're trying to do right, but that's just not a good look. And if you that stubborn about it, I can see nothing good coming from this. I, I agree. And, and if it takes for me to say, if it. you want to fall out with me over that, mm-hmm. that talks about your character. Oh, that's I, a you problem, I not agree. a me problem. I agree. So, so, I so. But this is where, but this is where people start making the wrong righteous decision. Understood. But that's what I'm that, saying. That is, silver coin is yeah. given to you, and now you're beholding to that silver coin or that possible mm. position. I mean, even the whole story of uh, Stormy Daniels. It's like you know, uh, and to me, it's like you know, uh, street language. He juiced her up, and guys do yeah. this all the time. Where he's like, yeah. yeah, you know, I'm gonna get you on the Celebrity Apprentice. Yeah, and it's like, well. Psh, I'm I'm a porn star. I've slept with guys for less. I might as well sleep with this multi-billionaire right. uh, to possibly end up on a celebrity apprentice. This is going to help my brand. I'd rather right. do this than do porno. So that was the decision she made at the margin. A, right. she was juiced up. So then he was dangling that in her in her in front of her face. Different things get dangled in front of people's faces, and then it's like the golden handcuff where now you're beholding to something that's over and beyond what should be righteous. Michigan State University right now, because of Larry Nassar, Thank is you. a classic example of they were beholden to all of this and the, and the idea of like, but nah, this is the trustee and this is the president of the school. Wrong was wrong was wrong. Was I, wrong. I got into one of the longest talks with like people that love Michigan State and are connected to the school and everything. And I was like, everybody needs to go. Everybody. And I said that day one into it. Right. And I'm like, because either you're ignorant Right. Which, that ain't no defense of, like right. me and you, that ain't no defense of the law. Right. If, if if you put 25 guns in my trunk, <laughs> and I say, oh man, this is this is rock bag. Yeah. I'm going to be a going to jail Negro. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> or you were complicit. Yeah, Either complicit. way, yeah. 
you deserve to go. And if not, go to jail. We have a current governor that's a murderer. And I know people that work with him. It's complicit. And when I call him a murderer, sometimes it makes people mad that I'm like, well, you know, murderer is. It's like, no, he's a murderer. He's a murderer. Because he was either ignorant yeah. or complicit. And as far as I'm concerned, he was complicit. Yeah. You know what yeah. I'm saying? But wh why does it make you wrong? Why does it make me wrong to call the governor a murderer? The action he did was murder. Yes. Because I know if he had did something like that in Birmingham or Ann Arbor, he would be, uh, 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 yeah. uh, he would no longer be Rick Snyder. He would yeah. have a name with letters and numbers that's about 15 digits. And you know what? You, and an you, orange jumpsuit. Your spirit, and I can tell, like, this is this has been on you. Yeah. This is resting on you. And yeah. I, I've been saying the same thing. I feel sad for our brothers. And, no, okay. I'm not going to say I feel sad. But it's a sad day when our brothers and sisters, I'm talking about black folk, yeah. when we're in positions. And we're beholding we, to. Thank you. Yeah. Be because now and, and I like keeping things as simple as possible. Yeah. I can throw out $10 words with the best of them. Yeah. But let's just keep it simple. Be look, you got bills. You got kids to feed. Okay? You got a, a certain lifestyle and a quality of life that you that you like to have. You, you may have an elder that you got to take care of. Whatever the case may be, you're collecting that check. Okay? And you let a lot of stuff go. And, you may, and you, you're in positions... Mm -hmm. of, 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 of stature where you can collect that check. And it's sad that you see people suffer to get the check. I'm going to add something on to else what you said. Because I don't think anybody in Detroit caught this. Um, it was an organization that teamed up with DPD. DPD got with DPS and got all these kids mm -hmm. and, and bust them or their family brought them to Ford Field. Mm -hmm. The whole conversation was about Talking to kids about how they need to conduct themselves with when a police officer yeah, comes up. And I heard of it. I said, I what kind of that. mess is that? Yeah. No. If you scared, cop, say you scared. You don't need to be a police officer. You're telling a 15, 16, 14-year-old how to conduct themselves. This is what they said. Oh, because we're afraid. I saw the I saw the the when I saw the newspapers run the story, yeah. which was complete propaganda in the first place. I yeah. thought the same thing myself. It's like you're 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 a public servant, yeah, and that teenagers are part of the public, and you're programming. So, and you're telling kids. me you're telling me how to conduct myself around a public servant, yeah. You know what I'm saying? That'd be like you know back to the strip club analogy. That'd be like strippers saying, "Hey, when you want to uh, come in here and tip." This is the conduct. You need right, to conduct right, yourself. Right, right. Like, when people will right. be like, well, I'm going to go down the street to the next one. But I'm the person that the police is serving. But as we've seen, especially as a black male, we are labeled as criminals. Yeah. The criminality that exists. They look at us as crime, as criminals. Uh, so it's, it's other layers into this. And it's certain things that I take. But... Um, it's it's a sad sad day like um that that is so many people that are a party to these systems because of these checks yeah. and and look last year was my best year in business and okay. this year so far is like way less than before but what's what's what I'm finding is and this is a um Kari Fraser statement so okay so okay just don't just don't as I'm <laughs> saying this uh um and we're going to wrap soon, but um, right. it'll come. It's like, don't let the golden handcuffs shackle you. Mm -hmm. You know, like you think about the Bill Cosby situation. If that went on as long as it did, the Harvey Weinstein situation, 
Don't let it shackle you because you swallow so much pride. Right. When you know you a party to some bullshit. Right. You know what I'm saying? And and, and if you have integrity, what I'm what I'm starting to see, because we see past people and we automatically think the only way we can get a check is through these systems, corporations or whatever. If you see past the people, you're, you're forgetting so much. It's yes. so many. It's so many uh, senior citizen women. There's so many people like Rock, yeah. <laughs> Rock's daughters or whatever, that'll pitch and put together some money or advocate for you. They have other networks. Yes. You've traveled the world. It's corporations in Japan, Panama, Taiwan, yeah. China that will see what you're doing is real and ethical and, and want to work with you. And, right. and you'll stand on the merit of what you're doing. The minute that you, you know, honor these false gods and what they do with their false acts. Because I would go as far as to, to say, like, uh, as a business person, I think it's a way to meet with Trump and everything. But I still would not bite my tongue when it comes to working mm. with working with Trump. Now, with that being said, you know, the minute you start biting your tongue, then you've already capitulated. You've already yeah, you've already given up your integrity. You compromise. And yourself. when you've compromised yourself. It's very hard to live with yourself. Yes. Because yes. you you look at yourself and you say, mm, man, you, you, you're, you're going to always have the imbalance. Whereas if you have the integrity and you learn to live with less, all of this stuff is, you, you said quality of life. The bills, they exist, but the bills can be excessive. It's so many opportunities out here. The world is huge. Yeah. And just being an American yourself and you've traveled the world. Being an yeah. American has value. Yeah. In some of these nations. Don't let these systems take away you where you degrade yourself and you think that it's not that you don't have value. Just just by being an American in some nations, right. you will get the quality of life that you seek and, and, and want here. So don't shackle yourself to something that to me you'll take away who you are in doing it. Don't make no sense. Kari, hey, look, that's beautiful, man. Look, it goes back to what I was saying. I got a, uh, a quote on my um, on my page, and it says, um, to speak free, one must be free. You got to be free. And, and what I see what you're doing with Detroit is different. And, and I see how Bullock operates and what I'm, what I'm doing with Speak Rock. I must maintain a certain level of freedom. I must stay authentic. Yeah. I must be sincere and live without any compromise and not capitulate to any foolishness. And that is the best way I'm going to be an asset to the community. And just if I can, just do a shameless plug here real quick. Yeah, do what you do. Before, hey, I'm just letting everybody know that, you know, bottom line is, you know, I'm not the average speaker. Some people will say, well, are you a motivational speaker? I can do that. Mm -hmm. But I'm a reality speaker. You know, mm -hmm. I, I want to say the things that need to be said. You know, we got enough motivational speakers out here, you know, charging top dollar. OK, yeah. you know, telling people that it's going to be all right or that they need to grind. They need to hustle. You know, I come with a different vocabulary. OK, mm -hmm. about perseverance and resilience. And, you know, I'm using things like that. Work ethic. All right. Not saying that I'm better than anybody, but I'm just letting people know if they need public speaking in, in, in their school, in their church, mm -hmm. in, their, in their organization, a community organization. I'm your man. Okay. I'm your man because well, I'm bringing something to the I'm gonna, table. I'm going to text you after this. That, that I always ask. I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to say to these little homies. <laughs> <laughs> now, keep in mind, I, I talk about community. Like, yeah, I don't I mind. I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll speak at a, 
you know, you know, at a, you know, a hospice. If it, okay. I, I don't care. I know some of them people too. I'll speak at a, you know, at a daycare center. Okay. I'll, I'll speak at, 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 a, at, a, at a gun range. Okay. The audience doesn't matter to me because that's all our community, right? True. Now, when I was younger, I used to be like that. I just want to speak to the youth. Uh-huh. Yeah, but you know what? Okay. That which I have to say mm-hmm. and that which I can bring to the table. And it's not just all about talking and speaking. I'm, I'm very into activism as mm-hmm. far as putting boots to ground. Okay. okay. I, I, what good would I be as a as a as a soldier if I didn't believe that, right? I feel that. Put I feel that. boots to ground. You know, make it happen. Put your hands. Get dirty. Be with the people. I'm one of the the people who believe in the holistic approach. I believe we need the the people that's gonna protest, people mm-hmm. that's gonna march, and people that's gonna rally. People like that take a heavy hit. Like marching and rallying don't do nothing. Yeah, alone it doesn't. But coupled with the politician, and I think these local elected officials are getting off scot free. That's my opinion. That's Damn, that, that's a conversation for another day. Shit. But but we need the politicians. We need the clergy. Mm-hmm. We need the entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Bring all that together. Everybody's needed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I Just agree. one group. Because if one group can get it done, it'll yeah. been done already. Yeah. I mean, I think it takes a collective consciousness of the people, yes. and then it, it it holds everyone else more accountable. Yes. You know, so yes. so if you raise the consciousness of the people, you'll raise the consciousness of the politician. You know, hold them accountable. I mean, as you know, uh, what I mean, within our whole lifespan. Yes. You know, it went from, you know, in living color and Saturday Night Live having jokes about gay people to LGBT rights. You know, so like my right. my little cousins and, and your daughters are growing up in a whole new existence because the consciousness of certain people has been raised has shifted the conversation politically. All where right. now every politician has has a speech aimed at LGBT rights and what it exists and how it is. Whereas I know when, when you know you know what it was like in the early nineties. It was yeah. like, come on now. I mean, it it, 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 it wasn't even a a, a, a talking point. Yeah. Explore, but that's just the people that changed that. So I have some classic Detroit is different questions as we close out. All right. Uh, the first one, your very first car, uh, very first car. Uh, what year make and model, and what year did you get it? Uh, Volkswagen Jetta, uh, nineteen. 1995 Volkswagen Jetta, mm-hmm. uh, got it in '94. Okay, all right. Oh man. Okay, so that was pretty clean. Yeah. What? Uh, uh, and then you went. Uh, you went German. So okay. <laughs> Where did you go when you first got your car? Where was the first place you went? To the club. <laughs> I'm <gonna keep> <laughs> That's a good place to go. So, I, did you pick up any homies, or you were like, "No, nah, I'm riding solo this time." No, I had one partner. Okay, I had one partner. That's about all. We, nah, it was like can't, can't be having a bunch of dudes. Can't, can't can't mess up the back seat first day. Come on, man. How, how long did you? Uh, how long did it last? The Jetta. Mm-hmm. Um, whew, I, I want to say about ten years, wow. and I gave it. To a young lady who was struggling, mm. going through some hard times, she went to my church and I gave it to her. Okay, so it may, it may have lasted another German engineer. Probably, it can yeah. go. Yeah, I can. I can't say if you'd have got the uh, the American version of that. I don't know if you'd have. <laughs> Would have been ten years. You'd have got to. <laughs> my God. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. The big three ain't liking what you're saying right now. <laughs> <laughs> 
Ain't no, it's real. <laughs> Speaking about that, you know BMW pulled out, right? On the auto show? Mm. Yeah, mm. they like, we ain't participating. Yeah. Yep. I, I, I definitely... I definitely don't know. All right, so second question. Uh, you're the DJ at the end of the fireworks. You get to play three songs. Woodward and Jefferson, that's where you're DJing. What three songs are you playing? Three songs. Um, uh, celebration, celebrate good times. Okay, okay. That's cool in the game. That yeah, song cool gets requ- requested after. I, um, oh. I ain't really a big fan of his, but the beat was banging. Well, 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 well. The person who made the beat, I ain't a fan of his that much. But anyway, I'll play Trick Trick. Okay. Um, uh, uh, what, what's the song? Um, Detroit City. Okay. Yeah, All right. Yeah. Uncle Tricky, that's the homie. Yeah, I yeah. I put Trick on. Trick didn't make the beat, though. He made the beat. No, no, no. Who made that beat? I think M made the beat. Yeah, and probably did make that beat. Yeah, think about it. yeah, yeah, yeah. I know these boys, the but I'm just saying he was on the hook. Good point. Yep, yep. yep. Um, so uh, either M or deny. And um, man, let me let me go old school. Um, I'm trying to think of something about Stevie Wonder right now. Mm. Probably go with some um. I know exactly the song I'd play if I was to do it. Tell me, because it's, it's on the tip of my tongue, but I can't. Mm. I'd play My Eyes Don't Cry No More because I know that that's what oh. traders would want to hear. Oh, that's like, a good one. They'd be hustling for like nine minutes. <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> they, they, play play all, they play them at all. They play them every time um, an elected official gets elected. <laughs> it's a Stevie Wonder song they always play. I'm trying to um, think of it. Can't remember right now, but okay, I'll uh, go there. Not Superstition. Cause I know I wouldn't play that. No, no, I get arrested. No, 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 get no. arrested, arrested, elected. <laughs> it's so funny. Arrested and elected. It's, it, it, getting elected nowadays could be a gateway for getting arrested if you're black. Come on, man. Um. Okay, so Stevie Wonder. I know it ain't fingertips, so it's probably it's not overjoyed. No, it's not rhythm uh, in the sky either. So, mm, is it a slower song or it got to be upbeat? It's upbeat. Yeah, yeah. Uh. Uh. Mm, I, I can't even think of it. I can't oh, even oh, think oh, of oh, it. Oh, oh, baby girl, she, she pulling up, up the some Stevie, Stevie Wonder, Wonder songs. Part time lover, it ain't that. Because, you know, I'm thinking about <laughs> no, the, no, no. The, uh, the, the content of it, too. Uh, living, just enough for the city. I wouldn't play that, but. Nope, nope. That's upbeat. Mm, I can't think. I, and I love Stevie. I know, I can't think. I know. It's. it's no, I don't know where it's at, Reagan. I don't I mean, see it on here. He has over like 300 songs in his catalog, so it's like. <laughs> I know, right? I ain't gonna never find it. But anyway, um, I could probably go with some Fr- Prince oh, 1999. I'll tell you what it is. It's probably Do I Do. No. It ain't? No. Nah. Wow, that's what I, I, nah. I would have just figured nah. it was that. Nah. Goes with Prince 1999. Okay. All right. And then, very last, very last. Um, Question, if you could rename Woodward after one Detroiter, who would it be and why? I got to go with Coleman, man. That is the most uh, stated Detroiter. It got to be because I'm just going to keep it. For black Detroit, 
he's he's most of our identity, man. I mean, yeah. D Detroit is far as the far as being a black mecca. Mm -hmm. Is a lot largely because of that man. I just you ain't never heard Detroit being a black mecca prior to him, mm -hmm. and and then after him. The, the, you know, I'm, uh, no disrespect to the other mayors, but that luster was just kind of mm -hmm. falling off. It was it was kind of coming back before the good brother Kilpatrick is. Uh, I, I know, right? Urban vacation. <laughs> I know, right? Urban vacation. Yeah, yeah. So it's like urban you got vacation. it. You gonna need. It, you said Woodward. Yeah. I can see if you said some other streets, mm -hmm. but you said that's come on. That's the artery. That's the main artery. So mm -hmm. it gotta be you know somebody of that stature. I give you that. Yeah. Well, it was good having you on. Yes, sir. Uh, and I'm going to have all the information, but you can give your yeah. information, too, for the people. All right, hey, real talk. Look, Speak Rock, S-P-E-A-K-R-O-C. You can type that into Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and on YouTube. I have a podcast that I put on YouTube. Go to that. You'll see all my content. Also, be on the lookout for a movement. Now, Speak Rock is my platform. But I have a movement that I'm also pushing for all brothers, okay? It's called Be a Brother, Speak to Another, okay? And you can find that under Brother Speak. Brother spelled B-R-U-T-H-A, Speak. You can find that on Facebook, and you can find that on Instagram. What I would like for you to do, if you ch chopping it up with another brother, take a photo, and you greeting a brother, take a photo and post it. Send it to my DM, and I'll make sure to post it on my page. And what I'm doing, I'm giving out two of these wristbands to brothers, just random brothers I don't even know. And the reason why I'm doing that is because it's important for us as black men to cultivate a communication environment between us. And uh, I think as we do that, we'll go further and we'll grow in higher heights. So that's what it is. Hey, this is your brother, Speak Rock. Thank you. Thanks, sir. Black revolutionaries, distillery owners, Italian fashion retailers, and Motown Grammy winners all share their best stories never before told in any other media outlets on Detroit Is Different. Visit DetroitIsDifferent.com or download the Detroit Is Different app on Apple's App Store or Google's Play Store.